0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you, and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. I just had a word for someone and uh, in, in worship and it was just, don't worry if you don't understand something in the word. And that's maybe not for someone, that's maybe for a few of us. If there's something you don't understand, don't worry. Don't don't focus so much on that. Don't let that be the definition or defining point of your relationship with God. There's many things in the Bible I don't understand. I'm the pastor. So I'm not so insecure that I say I understand everything, and then you ask me a question, like, if I don't understand, I'll tell you. I throw out verses to different people, and I see what they do with it, because often they help me to understand verses. You know, um, Proverbs 27, 17, I love the Amplified translation says, one man sharpens another, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The Amplified classic says, through discussion. So in a church service, we can't discuss everything because you know what, you don't want to stay so long. After an hour and a half, like everyone wants to go home. So that's why we need to, to have different meetings in the week, even. That's why we have coffee groups and different things, because there's discussion. I can tell you the program of our men's meeting, 7 o'clock on a Friday morning. If you've been there, you know. Half an hour, we just gather. We talk about anything and everything. Okay? It doesn't have to be just super holy, because guess what? We are in this world. Okay? Half past 7, whatever you're busy with, you stop and we open the word. We say what we're thankful for, and we discuss scriptures. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe five, depending on how good the discussion is. And we discuss the word. We say, hey, I think about this. And even this Friday morning, we had an awesome session. And someone right at the end said, hey, but what about this verse? I think it fits in perfectly. And it did. And I was blessed by it, even though I prepared and led the session, which I don't always do. But I was so blessed because the, 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 the family, the brethren, if you will, all partook. And it was richer for it. If it's just the pastor telling you this is how it is, then what's... I mean, that, that's not gross. That's why I sit and that, that's why we do feedback. That's why we ask Jock to share what he, what he, what he um, learned. Because I'm like, oh yeah, I shared it, but now I, I was reminded of what I shared. And it blessed me. I listen to my own sermons, by the way. Not to think about my grammar, but uh, we'll get there. But uh, just because it, it blesses me. Because if I don't listen, if I don't believe in it, then please don't, you shouldn't. (laughs) But I believe in what comes out of my mouth. And there's often things that flow in the spirit and in the moment that I didn't prepare. And and then I want to listen to it again because I have these aha moments sometimes. And then I listen to it and I'm like, wow, okay, that's good. Or let's just check that out. Let's make sure. Um, So we can never have enough of, of who God is and of his word. So don't worry. There's always answers. That's, the, that's what, what I felt the Holy Spirit say. There's always answers, not opinions. There's answers. There's concrete answers. We may be not there yet, but we'll get there. Um, for instance, one that I struggled with for years was, what did, the, um, what did Jesus write in the sand? I, I've heard a hundred messages on that, probably. Maybe not a hundred, but a few. Opinions, good opinions, creative opinions. But you know what? Jeremiah 17 has the answer. So just as an example, let's go there quickly. Jeremiah 17. It's actually beautiful. If you, if you see this, then it will give you confidence. So Jeremiah 17 verse 12 says, A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Okay, so already there I want to get going to Genesis 1 and on Jesus in the beginning, but that's not what I'm trying to show you. So what happened? There's a great feast. Jesus says, I am the fountain, the true fountain. I am the substance of the shadow of this feast that you guys are doing. And on the great day of the feast, Jesus stands up and he says, if you come to me and drink, you'll never thirst again. What was happening on the great day of the feast? They were walking with a pitcher of water, celebrating something, I don't remember exactly now, of the old but every year they had to do it again. And Jesus says, hey guys, that picture is actually just a picture of me. I am the fulfillment of that. I am the fountain of living water. And if you read the story, the next day, the very next day, they bring this, this woman, caught in the very act of adultery. So it's the next day, so you need, you need the context. And who's bringing the woman? The Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? They are the ones who know what? The law, they know the Torah, they know the word, back to front, they can quote it, they can rehearse it, they can talk about it. But what they what do they do? They say, Jesus, what are you gonna do with this woman? She was caught in the very act of adultery. Okay, it's women's month, so we don't ask where was the man, but let's move on. There's two parties usually in adultery. So that's already it's it's already unjust. So what do they do? They come and they say This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Why? Not because they want something with the woman. They want to actually get Jesus in a corner. They want to get Jesus in a corner. They want to to condemn Jesus. And what does he do? He stoops down and he writes in the sand. He writes in the earth. Okay? And I think he does it maybe twice. And then what, what happens? They start to leave. And the word says, from the oldest to the youngest, they leave. Jesus says, whoever of you are without sin, you cast the first stone. And then they, they don't pick up stones, they leave. Why? Because you're wrote in the sand. Okay, so look at this, Jeremiah 17. Remember I said, if you have answers, there's answers. If you need, um, if you have got questions, you need answers, there are. Verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel... All, all they that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they shall depart from me. They that depart from me shall be written in the earth. Where will they be written? In the sand. Who's written in the sand? They that depart from me. So, why? Because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. That was the feast the previous day. Jesus says, Hey, I am the true fountain. Of living water. Now, you didn't come to me yesterday because you don't want to come to the Messiah, the Savior, the true fountain. You came to me now with the law. Now you want to bring a woman caught in the act of adultery and you want her to be stoned. Okay? So what does Jesus do? He quotes Jeremiah 17 without quoting it because his audience knows exactly the Torah. So where the moment he writes in the earth, the the alarms go off in their mind. Oh, this is a verse. Someone has written in the sand. Someone spoke about someone writing in the earth. Jeremiah 17 verse 13. And now they realize what Jesus is doing. They're saying, hey, you have forsaken the fountain of living water. Those who depart will be written in the sand. Now, I don't know about you, that for me is a concrete answer of why Jesus wrote in the sand, and it's a concrete answer from the Word. It's not an opinion. You see, often we get excited about opinions. We looked at it last week where the Word says, don't be carried away, don't be spoiled. Spoiled is rotten. You know when when fruit go bad? Fruit is good for you unless it's spoiled. Then you don't want it. Then you need to get rid of it. Don't get spoiled by philosophy, by ideas, clever thinking, logic. Don't get spoiled by traditions of men, by new teachings, strange doctrines. Strange is also entertaining doctrines. We need to be rooted and grounded in the Word. This year, I believe God has, has, has said to me that He's going to condense the Word for me. And I believe it's come through in the teachings. And even this week, I've been sharing it with people outside of Grace Life. And it, that's the feedback that I get. That all of a sudden, they can see how the Bible you can, you can explain the Bible from Genesis. I mean, that's what we did through, what's it now, not last week, the week before, on a tale of two trees. And we're still busy with that, the tale of two trees, because we're looking at what is the story of the Bible. And if the story of the Bible is Jesus coming, then all of a sudden, why Jesus writes in the sand needs to align with that. You see, that's the condensing. There's one story. So Jesus writing in the sand has got nothing to do so much with the action, but it's got to do with the story of the Bible. It's got to do with the story of eternity, it's got to do with the purposes and the plan of God. So now, all the other, can I say nonsense? Let's rather say noise. All the noise we can put away and now we can just listen to what is God doing in the moment because what He's doing in the moment, He's forever been doing. What I just said is profound. What God is doing in the moment is the same thing that God has been doing forever. Forever. Oh, we get excited. I'm about to do something new. But the same word says, I am the same yesterday and today and forever. I love a verse in Isaiah 46 that says, I have proclaimed the end from the beginning. So, what is the beginning? It's Genesis. So, I have proclaimed the end, what we read in Revelation, from the beginning in Genesis. Genesis. And that's what we've been doing and looking at. So that's just where we are. If you've missed the last two weeks, um, it will be great for you to, to just catch up. But we looked at Jeremiah 1 and verse 10. And I said to you that I had this vision of this, this field that wasn't pretty. But it was cut down trees. It was uprooting. There was digging. There was, and I said, Lord, isn't this fruitful? And he said, not yet. Not yet, but it is about to be, because Jeremiah 1.10, then I got, and it really just confirms the picture. It says, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. So what it means is, I believe God challenged me and says, Peter, there's a lot of tree of knowledge of good and evil thinking still in your life. I'm not talking about salvation. I know I'm saved by grace, not by my works. Because there's too many verses as well that says, by the works of the flesh, or so no, what by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. If you're under the law, you read that, but you miss it. I don't know how, but I missed it. Okay. <laughs> I was in churches where there was Bible studies on Ephesians and we didn't, never got to grace. Like, but it's because there's a veil. Now the veil is removed because we're living for eternity. But now that the veil is removed, I don't know about you, but I want to use my new clear lenses to look into my thinking to challenge some of the old patterns that I have. Okay, is anyone with me? You want to you wanna grow? Oh, man. man, okay. So for you to grow, this, is, this was humbling. This I learned about a year and a half ago. For you to grow, you need to sometimes be wrong. Because if you're not willing to be wrong, you can't move on. Because if you're right, why would you move on? But if you're willing to be wrong... Or at least the concept of being wrong. We're not wrong from the start. We're going to challenge some of our thinking with the word, and then when the word shows us that maybe we were a bit wrong or a bit off, then we are willing to adapt to the truth that we are like we we are shown, which will then lead to growth. And I, I share this picture. Who knows Minesweeper? Do you even get Minesweeper still on Windows 10? I don't think so. Huh? I think all the all the corporates say, take off Solitaire and take off Minesweeper. Huh? <laughs> Minesweeper is you you click these, you've got this grid of blocks, and depending on how good you are, the size of the block you can set, and then there's this little smiley face always that shows you how difficult it is, but you click on a button, and you don't know if there's a a landmine underneath that that block, and then if you click on it, and it's a landmine boom game over, but if it's not, then it starts to open and expand this, this, this grid, if you will, and the more the grid opens, the more logic is available to you to make better decisions going forward. Now, I don't know about you, but if I understand a concept in the Word, it's as if there's a whole new corner of the Word that I'm now open to understanding because I now have another tool, if you will, to go and apply or explore with another corner of, of the Word that maybe has been dark. Now, Interesting, the Psalms speaks about the dark sayings of old. Okay. And it's not evil sayings, it's dark sayings, meaning there's deeper meaning. There's deeper meaning. Genesis is, um, is a dark saying, if you will, which really means it is poetic. So, Psalm 78. Sorry, I'm keeping Nadia on her toes today. Psalm 78 in verse 2 says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. It's not evil speaking, it's it's... it's It's the veil is not yet removed. That's what he's speaking about. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Verse 3. So we have heard and known. What have we heard and known? The stories of Genesis. The exodus out of Egypt. We've heard about the creation. But that is not just the story. It's not just the narrative. Now we have the veil removed, and now we have what? The Word says we've been enlightened. Okay? So now the light of the world is shining in us. So when we read the dark sayings, guess what? You're like Superman. Now you have light that shines into the dark sayings. And you don't read the narrative of the story, but you can now see deeper. And I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up hearing that. So you can be so busy with the Bible... And you can be busy with the story, or the stories, in the Bible. And then you come to Galatians, you come to Ephesians, you come to Romans, and it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Or it becomes very confusing. Because if you read Galatians, Galatians says that Israel is not the true Israel. That's confusing. So who's the true Israel? The church is the true Israel so now we need to see the old story the narrative but we need to see the deeper meaning of what was promised and what's now being fulfilled and what we are now part of and that's really what this th- these verses come to um proverbs 1 verse 5 this is good i like this proverbs 1 and verse 5 and we might say if you if you want to grow who wants to grow Okay, we want to grow this is your new identity okay i know it's corny but it works sometimes corny things we remember what does a tree do inherently it grows okay it starts off with a seed and then it grows and then it brings shade and it bears fruit, and it has leaves you see what i've what what i've been challenged with as well and that i'm challenging you with is what is your mindset of how you see yourself Because we read Mark 4, and we read sowing and reaping, and we sort of, I don't know about you, I'll speak for myself, I've sort of camped in that mindset of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, and you know what, that's evangelism. But then you harvest, and then you start off with nothing. And then you need to clear the land, you need to plow, you need to sow again, and yes, there can be increase, obviously, but the word says in Psalm 1, you will be like a a tree. We are looking at the tale of two trees. We know there's one tree that doesn't make it into revelation. There's the tree of life that does. That's two weeks ago, the message, so you can go listen to that. But now we want to be like trees, and trees grow. Grow. And trees don't go back to zero, trees mature, and trees bring increase, and trees bear fruit, and trees bring healing. We looked at that last week. There will be a a tree, the tree of life, and out of the tree, actually it says that the, the tree will be on both sides of the river of life. The tree of life. Didn't Jesus say, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. You see, the Bible is easy. It's really easy. We complicated it for 2,000 and a bit years now. It's, it's simple. I'm not, I'm not making less of it, but Jesus says in the mouths of babes. There's a tree. Go look at the tree. There's a river of life. Go look for the river of life. It's all throughout the Bible. There's something about darkness and light that starts off in Genesis. It's before God creates the sun. He says, let there be light. Maybe next week we'll talk about that. What is the light? It's the opposite of darkness. So there's dark sayings, meaning the light has not yet been revealed in those verses. So you can read it, and you can remain in the dark, or you can read it with the Holy Spirit. John 16 is beautiful. Jesus says, there's many things I yet want to tell you, but I cannot. Why? It's in brackets, by the way. So I think he said it to John only. It's, it, it, John put it in there. Like You can go read it in John 16. It says, because the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Okay. This, today is a Bible study lesson, by the way. It's not just a message. I'm here to equip you, not to entertain you. But what had happened? Has the Holy Spirit been given? Okay. This is so important. Jesus is walking, baptized in the Spirit, walking in the flesh, Telling them, I've got many more things I want to tell you, but I cannot. So there's a limitation. Anyone with me? After the cross, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The limitation, is it still there? It's removed. And then he goes on in John 16 and he says, The Holy Spirit will come and He will help you, He will lead you, He will guide you into what? We read truth. Okay. Study the Greek there. The Greek means the true reality. It is the truth, but it's not just truth in the knowing, it's truth in how it is. Okay, so Jesus in Luke 4:24, 24, he shows up on the road to Emmaus. If you've been here a while, you know this is one of my favorite poets, like all the others. He shows up where? On the road to Emmaus, when? After the, you see, I'm showing you how I study the word. Who's speaking? Who am I speaking to? When am I speaking? Oh, it's off of the cross. Who's it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus in the glorified body. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to depressed people. That's the word. They are are distraught. They are down. They are anxious. They are sad. They are depressed. Okay. And what does he do? He plays dumb a bit. And he says, well, what's happening? Why is he doing that? He's relating to them on a relational level. And he's also listening to where are they in their thinking. And then it the says, and beginning at Moses. He explains to him the things in Scripture concerning himself. Scripture there is the Old Testament. Himself is from the beginning. Moses is the Torah. The first five books of the Bible. So where do you think Jesus begins? Genesis 1, I'm sure. From the beginning. In the beginning. Oh, doesn't Revelation say... I am the beginning and the end. Oh, okay. So now we have something in the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And we have something in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, that links. ever learned to write a speech? We all did Mondelinge. What did they tell you? Your introduction must link to your conclusion this week in our men's bible study that happens on tuesdays we went into hebrews 11 oh you can get lost in hebrews 11 quickly now faith is when is now no faith was then when he wrote it so faith was something now the writer of hebrews says now faith is something else faith was something faith was something that we hoped for but now faith is what substance oh okay so how do we go about that well you need to go into hebrews 10 and read what faith is to bring into hebrews 11 1, and, and and continue the thought about what faith is and then we go into hebrews 12 that says now jesus is the author and finisher of what faith. oh so hebrews 11 is not that difficult because faith is jesus Because the end of Hebrews 11, verse 39 and 40 says, These ones, all of them, did not receive what? The perfection. Because without us, God would not that they be made perfect. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was not yet poured out, because Jesus wasn't yet glorified. So I'm contemplating if we even should go through Hebrews 11, because we went through the first two verses and the last, and that's the message of Hebrews 11. There's much more you can get out of there, but there's also many roads you can get lost. You know what's important? Let's go to Hebrews 11. Where were we? We were about the dark sayings. Amen. Proverbs. We'll get back there. Put your finger there. Hebrews 11. This blessed a lot of the guys. I'm sure it will bless you too. So you know there's a guy called Moses. And Moses wrote what? The first five books of the Bible. So Hebrews 11 and verse twenty-three, Hebrews eleven and verse twenty-three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months. Jesus was three three days, just saying, because they saw that he was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Next verse, please. Sorry, Nadia, we're going to go to twenty-six all the way. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. So who's the people of God? It's Israel. it's His birth family. And he was fostered by the Pharaoh's daughter, which obviously brought all the riches and pleasures of Egypt. But he said, I'm not about this. Because this is jelly tots. I want to live for something more, something eternal. So, verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of? Okay, guys, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Moses. We're talking about Moses leaving Egypt, and why? Because of someone. Because of whom? Because of Christ. Who's who's never seen this before in Hebrews 11? Don't be afraid, we're here to grow. No? So he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Oh, I'm going to teach on greater riches too soon, very soon. For he looked to the reward. We are in Hebrews 11. We are talking about Moses. And the writer of Hebrews is revealing to us that Moses knew about Christ. Who wrote Genesis? Moses. Who did he know about? He so, so. I'm not smoking good stuff. Moses knew the story, but because the Spirit was not yet given, he couldn't give it to us plainly because the Spirit man wasn't yet there to understand the spiritual reality. But now that the Spirit man has come, now the writer of Hebrews says, Oh, by the way, the story of Moses it's not the story of Moses. It is that too. I'm not saying the Old Testament didn't happen. I'm saying that is the narrative. That's the storyline. But there's more to the story. There's the deeper layer. This is the Israel in the natural. But the true Israel, Galatians says, is now the sons of God who have been born after the Spirit. This was Isaac, yes, but Isaac was just the foreshadow of Christ, and we are not of Isaac because, I don't know about you, I'm not a a Jew, but I am now of Jesus, I am of the seed, and therefore I'm a joint heir with Christ because of the promise that was made to Abraham, which came through Isaac and Jacob, has now been fulfilled and poured out, and now I'm part of it. Bible condensed. You don't need to get lost in the desert. The Israelites already did that for 40 years. I don't know about you, I don't plan to get lost in the Bible for another 40 years. I want to know what it's about and I want to get going. Amen? Proverbs 1 verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. You see, we read dark sayings and we have a Maybe an evil mindset that that, that prevails. But it's not that. It says to understand the Proverbs and an enigma, the words of the wise, the, the dark sayings. The New King James does us a favor there and says that dark sayings is the riddles. They were speaking in riddles. Jesus spoke in parables. On the road to Emmaus, did Jesus speak in a parable? We love parables. But that's for the carnal man. We don't need parables as spiritual people. Because we don't need stories. We've got the substance. We've got the reality. We don't need poetry. We love poetry. But we can say it as it is. It's a bit uncomfortable sometimes. Because you know what? You realize, oh yeah, there's a tree in my life and my thinking and, and, and maybe I'm, I need to get rid of that tree. Yesterday I was I was... Not chopping down trees, but I was sawing branches of trees. And it's trees I don't want. It's trees that make a mess. And you know, we all have those trees in our lives and our thinking, but we don't want to get rid of those trees because they're comfortable or they bring shade. You know what? Sometimes we need some light. We need to get out of the shade and we need to, the, the light shine deep into our hearts and into our understanding of the Word so that we can grow. Amen. Back to my introduction Jeremiah one and verse ten, we said, we need to to root out, we need to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, yes, and then we build and we plant so building and planting is obviously that 's the exciting part. If never build a house, but if you build a house, when you do the clearing that's not that 's maybe a bit of exciting, but it 's messy you 're cutting down trees and you're digging holes and like where are we going to live? Is this ever going to make sense? Where, when is this going to happen? But now you do the foundations. And that's usually when people get excited. We break ground. Okay? Now we're going to build. And it's not sowing there, it's planting. There's a difference. I'm not saying we shouldn't show. I'm, I'm saying at this church, we sow, we evangelize, but we evangelize to disciple. We sow to plant. And then when we plant in community, we grow and we grow together. And we do life together, because that's really how we change the world. Shane did the math, and I listened to him speaking in Zim about it again. If we all make one disciple a year, who makes another disciple? Who makes another disciple? One of you, one person, every year. How long do you think it takes for us to reach 8 billion people, the world's current population? 34 years, if one person does it. 34 years, if one person does it. Just think of all of us do it. How quickly we can reach the world. If you do, now don't quote me, but I think you said if you get 20,000 people saved a day, every day you get 20,000 people, mass crusades, mass sowing, 20,000 people a day and you can do it for 365 days. I haven't met that person yet. But say we can do it, then it's going to take us 196 years to change the world, to reach every person. By that time, two generations would have gone past, so we'll never get there. That's sowing versus planting. Each one reach one, but then each one disciple one. Each one mature one. We need to, that's why I say we need to challenge our thinking. Are we trees that mature and make more trees? Or are we just sowing and reaping and starting like, like we're just going for it? So the next verse says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I'm asking you this morning, church, what do you see? When you look at yourself, when you look at life, when you look at success... What do you see? And he says, I see a branch of an almond tree. I see a branch of an almond tree. I don't see sowing and reaping. The next verse says, you have seen well. What does he say? You've seen, you had a revelation, and you, you had the right revelation. Sometimes we have dreams, and we have ideas, and we have revelations, and they're wrong. But God confirms the, the revelation. He says, you've, you've seen well. Now, if you're interested in these things, make a note and go study Aaron's rod. The rod that budded. And what budded it was they, they, challenged, um, they challenged Moses and Aaron because of the authority. And God says, let all, each of every tribe bring their rod. The leader of the tribe, let them bring their walking stick, their rod. And leave it in the, the, the tent. And then let's see what happens tomorrow. And what happened is, what's a rod? It's a cut off branch. It's a dead branch, okay? Comes from a tree, but it's no longer a tree. And it says so beautifully that the next morning, one of those not only blossomed, but bloomed. And not only bloomed, but there were ripe almond nuts on that rod. So Jeremiah didn't wake up smoking something and now he comes up with something. No, he's getting revelation from what was already prophesied in the story of Aaron, which is resurrection, by the way. The dead tree that's now blossoming and bearing fruit. Okay, so that's just, if you want to go study it out. But the almond tree is a very specific picture because also the picture is that the the, the flower and the fruit shows together. The fig tree Who's even seen uh, a flower on a fig tree? You can't. Why? Because the flower is in the fruit. Okay, I don't know why, but that's just how it is. But God wants to bring beauty. God wants to bring restoration. God wants to, to bring resurrection. But He wants to bring it through us maturing, growing, bearing fruit, bearing much fruit. The Word says, by this my Father gets what? Glory. If you bear much fruit. Fruit that remains ever someone heard that that for me is trees that's tree thinking that's tree identity not wheat and corn and wheat and corn and wheat and corn that just sow and reap that's not remain but now the tree grows and it remains and it expedites and it increases I think I've shared it here but if you start a pecanut plant or you go to pecanut farms it takes 10 years for those trees to grow and mature and you turn a profit. Ten years. But once you get to year ten, you can't stop. There's no stopping. Then you're literally printing money. That's discipleship. It's going to take longer. God said to me, this is going to take longer. The work I've called you to in Grace Life is going to take longer than other churches. But it's a deep work. It's a deep work. It's not going to stop. It's not going to. Um, we're not going to run. It's, a, it's like a tortoise in the hare. This is the tortoise. But just keep on going. Keep on digging. Keep on searching. Keep on challenging. Keep on growing. Keep on learning. Keep on bringing people. Keep on reaching people. Keep on discipling people. That's what we do. And it's not about the numbers. The numbers is important because every number is a person. But it's not about that. It's about I, I see the 10 years. And I'm okay with that. Because that's what I'm called to. And if you want to be part of it, don't get distraught by, oh, there's open seats, or this, this, or that. No, this is a deep work. And all you can do is, you can help me by allowing the Word to penetrate deep into your heart, into your thinking, into your mind, to challenge beliefs that we've had based on the traditions, based on philosophy, based on good ideas, based on some great Christian teaching, by the way. But if you don't see the fruit that you desire, we better challenge the root. Henry and Armand agrees with me. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? But isn't that love? Isn't that, isn't that love? God says, I want you to be fruitful. So, hey, we're going to have to get rid of some, some old trees. You know, my, uh, my father worked in Barberton um, and Bosbo. And what do they do? They plant trees. And then after a while they come in and they cut off the shorter trees to give the stronger trees space to grow. And that's what we really need to do. Our wrong thinking we need to cut off. Not only cut off, we need to uproot so that the right thinking have space to breathe, space to grow, space to bear much fruit. We don't need as many trees. There's one tree and it's a tree of life. But we need to apply that tree in all areas of our thinking. Amen? So last week we challenged your view on what is a sinner... And I believe that helped. John 15. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. I checked out the word remain. It says to stay in a given place, state or relation, even expectancy, to abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to remain and to stand. I can see a tree. Something that's remaining. That whatsoever you will ask in my Father's name, he will give it to you. All throughout the Word we see these things. You need to be planted, you need to be grounded, you need to be settled. Grow your roots deep into the love of the Father. Grow your roots deep. Do not be moved away by every wind of doctrine, but grow deep. Be stable, be statutory. Stand, grow, stabilize. That's all the things that we we look at. So that's tree thinking. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the lord and in his law does he meditate day and night the law there is torah it's genesis and the other four books of the torah it's not the ten commandments we read a verse like that we get scared oh this is not for me why not jesus is the beginning so you can find jesus in the torah You can meditate on Genesis. I've been meditating on Genesis and Exodus the last few months, and I promise you I'm I'm getting life and nourishment out of that. I'm not feeling heat, like I'm not feeling distraught, I'm not feeling beat down, because I'm looking at the deeper meaning of the dark saying, and I'm seeing Christ from the beginning, and I promise you I can preach the gospel message from Genesis 1 verse 1. A gospel message that will get people saved. Not because I'm anything, but because I've been thinking, meditating, drawing deep from, from this. The Passion says, um, verse, sorry, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So I tell the business leaders on Tuesday, be careful what you do. Because whatever you do will prosper. So just because something prospers doesn't mean it's good. Just because something prospers doesn't mean it's God. We have a mindset of good and evil where we measure what is from God based on what prospers or prosperity. The word says, whatever you do will prosper. So I'm like, okay, God, I want to do the right thing. Because if it's the wrong thing, the wrong thing is going to prosper. If it's the right thing, then the right thing is going to prosper. So God, what's the right thing? And success often is what you say no to, not what you say yes to. The same is true for doctrine. The doctrine is much simpler than what the world makes it out to be. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Some people write good books about great doctrine, and then they should stop. But then there's pressure from publishers, I'm sure, and pressure to make money, and there's a nice market, and you need to feed your audience, and you need to keep the community going. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's what he wrote. He wrote it to all the churches. The mystery revealed. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then he pastored them, and he shepherded them, and he answered their questions, and he ministered, but he always ministered around the gospel. Don't be diverted, don't be dragged about. Passion says, they will be standing firm like a flourishing tree, planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their lives. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. We all want to live there. I want to live there. I want to be that tree. I want to live there. But that, there's only one tree, that, that, and that's the tree of life. By the brooks of bliss, by the rivers of living waters. And guess what? We read about that again in, in Revelation 22. So in the midst of the street of it, Revelation 22, and verse 2, on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree with for the healing of the nations. There's a tree in Genesis, there's a tree in Psalms, there's a tree in Revelation. We shouldn't take these things apart. If we want to build a doctrine, that's how you build a doctrine in the Word. You go look for the foundation scripture, you go look for the Revelation scripture, the prophetic scripture, the, 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 um, the foundation, the prophecy, and then the revelation. And then that's how you build a doctrine. If you don't have those three, don't go for it. First fruits. Oh, who's ready for that? So under the old, they give of the increase. But now Christ says, I am the first. I am the firstborn among many brethren. So what happens? The first fruit blessing is, if you give of the first fruit, the increase, then everything of the harvest is blessed. Okay? Okay. So old thinking says, I'm going to give some of my money, and then all my money is going to be blessed. But that's a dark saying. There's more to it. The more to it is, if Christ is the firstborn, and He is the gift, He is the sacrifice, then everything that comes in, in the harvest, the spiritual harvest, is blessed, sanctified, glorified, justified, just like He was. So you don't use first fruits to manipulate people into giving. And telling them they're going to get more. Because then you have to take Hebrews 13 and verse 5 out of your Bible, which says, do not love money, but be content with what you have. Many ministries, for very re- good reasons, skip over those verses. Paul writes a letter to a leader. He writes it to Timothy. The whole book of 1 Timothy... There's great things in there, great practical things. There's how to choose elders and appoint deacons and all those things. But if you read the beginning and you read the end, it's doctrinal. It says, do not be ashamed of the doctrine. And then in 1 Timothy 6, you can read it for yourself. He says, don't let them carry away the doctrine. Because some people cause godliness, calls god again godliness. You think that if you have much money, then you're great in God's eyes. Finances is not a reflection of your faith. I'm uprooting some trees now, which I wasn't planning on doing. We don't give to get, we give because we've got. Hebrews 13.5, don't love money because you've got Christ. Oh, I've got Christ, I don't need this money, I can give it into the kingdom. I'd rather go without and give it into the kingdom. Because what I have, I can never lose. What I have is so much more. What I have, money cannot buy. So what is money? Money is the least use of your faith. So don't major on what is minor. As a church, we need your money. I promise you we do. But I'll never, never, never take a message just to tell you we need your money. Because I need you more. I don't love money. Then I wouldn't be here. I spoke to someone, and Barent, he's not here today, spoke on Tuesday. I don't know exactly his age, but he's, he's, he's not double my age, but he's he's, he's hes my senior. okay. And I spoke to Chart, uh, our Back pastor, and we just said, it's such a blessing. If I tell you, don't live for money, there's many responses. You can say, oh, you don't have, or you couldn't, or you're young, or you don't know, and, but if a man who's had all the opportunity to make all the money in the world sits there and says, hey guys, I asked him a question. I said, Barron, if you have something to say to your younger self, because I know there's a younger audience listening, I said, what would it be? I can't remember exactly i I re- listened to the recording, but he said, be bold in Christ. Don't be afraid. Live your purpose and money won't make you happy, basically. That's what I got from it. So if a man that had it, that could have more, Realize it will not fulfill and sustain. Says that it, it, it's gravitas. You know that, that word. It's it's it, it carries weight. It pulls like it, it's a punch. It's like, and I sit there and I'm like, yes. I didn't tell him what to say. We didn't prepare really anything. Like I prepared my part and he prepared his part. But for me, it was also like it was confirming. Because I made a decision a few years ago to not chase after that. And there's a verse, it's not a, a Bible verse, but it's a verse of a poem that I did in, in high school by Robert Frost that says, Two roads diverged into the woods, and I, I chose the one less traveled by. Okay, that's the difficult part of the verse. It's on my Facebook banner, so I read it often, and I read it this week, and I said, the, last, the, the following part, are you ready for it? It says, and that has made all the difference. Wow. It's not about what we give or sacrifice. It is about the gain we get in Christ. As Grace Life, I'm going to say it, we're a bit lonely. We're a bit lonely. Even in religious and ministry circles. Because we don't go with the mainstream. Sorry for you. (laughs) But I believe there's a purpose. There's a depth. There's a maturity. There's a growth. And it's cost us dearly. Literally, it's cost us dearly. It's cost us friends, it's cost us family, it's cost me, I'll I'll name the names of people I've got on my WhatsApp that I can phone now. Internationally known ministers. But God said, not for you. Not for you. Big income that we said, sorry, thank you. Because we will not give up the doctrine. We will not budge on the truth. I'm not saying we will not grow in it. So when I meet with someone currently, and maybe you're one of them, I see this is how I currently see it. Because by that statement, I'm open for the Holy Spirit to show me more. If I say this is how it is, then I'm closed to growth. But if you take a picture of a tree... That is how it currently is. Tomorrow it's the same tree. But it might have more leaves, a new branch, it might have bearing more fruit. So what I'm saying to you, church, is we need to grow, but as long as we grow deeper not wider. Because we need to stay and we need to stay, we need to grow our roots deep, the word says. And out of the depth of the root system will grow the tree and bring shade and fruit. Influence, healing, all those things. But if you read the word so clearly, there's only one tree. And we are engrafted. We are planted into that tree. John 15 is all about it. So there's only one body. There's only one tree. And we are only planting... Engrafting, not sowing, more and more people into this tree, the tree of life, Christ Jesus, our King, our Lord. So, what I'm saying with that is there's not many doctrines, because in my Bible, there's only one tree that remains. There can be much fruit, many leaves, millions of branches but it's one tree. I've got five minutes. Are you ready for, for one more thing? I've struggled with, if I look into my past, how do I know it's missing, it's gone, it's, it's done with? How do I know that when the Bible says I died with Christ, I'm still here, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, how, how do I bring that together? Anyone ever thought about that. I know some of you have. Noah says he's he's thinking about it. So we have this tree. That tree is since when? Since the beginning. Okay. Now we are taken out, reborn spiritually. We're engrafted into the tree of life so we no longer have a root system. But everything that is now true of that tree is now flowing into me as the branch. So that branch, we don't know what the old thinking was. We don't know what the old, the old version of that branch was. But that branch was cut off, dead, born again, engrafted into the tree of life. And now the fruit and the juices and everything is flowing from out the root system of the tree of life. So even logically now, I start to see, okay, but that makes sense. You died with Christ, that was the old tree, the old mindset, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Galatians 3. But now you are born again with Him, and now the word, this is a difficult word for all of us, says that you have been baptized into Christ. And immediately, 90% of you think water. Water. Jesus says, John John the Baptist, John the baptizer says, there is Jesus, he will baptize you with two things. So it shows that baptism needs an adjective to tell you what it is. It says he will baptize you with, I baptize you with something. Oh, let's start there. I baptize you with water. But Jesus will baptize you with two things, not water. With the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit, which is power. And fire, I believe, is the end time. So why not water? That's a whole message for a different day. Baptized, there's two words. There's baptizo and baptismo. Like, don't quote me now. But the one is dipping like a rusk. Your rusk, if it stays in your coffee... It goes yucky. Yeah? My wife will dip her rusk in my coffee because she doesn't like the, a dirty chai. you know. <laughs> she likes a dirty chai, but not with, dirty with a rusk. But there's another word, baptizo, that means to emerge and keep under. You can read it in Strong's and Thayer's. They speak about it's like we do with pickles. Gherkins, Achirkis, I don't eat those things, but if you do, you know what I mean. You put it into the water and you don't take it out. And if you put it into the water, what happens? It changes. And it is preserved. So you have been baptized into Christ can also be you have been engraved, engrafted, become one with Never to leave, to stay in the tree of life. And everything that is now true of him is now true of you. And that's enough for today, I believe. I wanted to get into Zacchaeus and and, and all of that, but anyways. Jeremiah 17. We're closing. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Sounds very similar to Psalm 1. For he shall be as a tree. Okay. Planted by the waters. That spreads out her roots by the river. That's the Holy Spirit. And shall not see when heat comes, but a leaf shall be green, and shall not Be careful. I love the word there in the King James. Others say anxious. Sometimes we just need to get out in faith and not be careful. Amen? To not be anxious is one thing. To be not careful is is more. I've done that a few times. I want to live there. I want to step out on a word. I want to do things for God. Come on. Not be anxious. When? In the year of drought. No, but the current economic climate is not a good time to plant a church. We are planting a church yesterday in, in, in Zimbabwe. We planted I'll plant another church yesterday, pioneering into a new area. But what about this church It's not full? Who cares? Let's pioneer into a new area. Let's not be careful, not be anxious. But what about money? Who cares about money? We care about money. We need money, but we're not going to let money dictate what we do. We're going to let God dictate what we do. Amen? We're going to step out. We're not going to be anxious and careful when in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. just go read Revelation 22 again at home and you'll see this is exactly the same tree. Revelation 22 gives us the revelation of the tree and shows us it's the spirit that now flows in us and through us. Jeremiah 1, we're going back, says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I'm asking you again. I asked you in the beginning. How do you see yourself? What do you see? And he said, I see a branch or a shoot of an almond tree. The Amplified says the emblem of alertness and activity blossoming in late winter. At the end of the age, the almond tree blossoms. There's no there's no coincidence in this, by the way. This is prophetically of us the church in late winter. At the end, this tree blossoms. You and I have been engrafted into the tree of life. And it's time to blossom. It's time to bear fruit. It's time to to grow our roots deep, not into the ground, but into into the vine. And then we blossom. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. For I am alert and active, watching O oh my, my word to perform it. And what we take with that is we, 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 we dilute that verse by saying what God has promised you, he will perform. The word is the word. I will perform the word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. I will perform it. Yes, and everything else that is promised in there is part of that. So I'm not taking that away from you. But God has a plan. He scores the end from the beginning. And it's going to happen. That's going to happen. It's happening all over, all around us. And you and I are part of God's eternal story. His redemptive plan. When God created the earth... He felt about you. I believe it more than ever before. Because redemption was put in motion the moment the Bible says, in the beginning. Because Revelation says, <laughs> Jesus is the beginning. He is the first, He is the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega, He's the author, He's the finisher. He is what holds everything together. I don't know where you are in your life, in your thinking, in your situation, in your questions, in your heart condition, but I have hope that today's message will help you to see that there is a God and He is 100% aware of you. He has 100% availed Himself to you. He has said, let me take stripes to open up my trunk so that they can be more and more and more and more engrafted, ingrained into me by whose stripes we were healed of our eternal spiritual thirst. The God of the ages is the God of today. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten about you. Because John 15, 5 says, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. What do you see? Jeremiah, I see a rod. I see a branch. I see an almond rod. I see an almond branch. What do you see? Do you see yourself as a branch branch? connected to the vine, because it says, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. You can be the biggest tree by yourself, but you're not going to have the power of the tree of life. The life source, the very essence, the being, the flow, because guess what? The power there is the spirit. Acts eight, you will receive power. You will receive dunamis. You will create explosions in this world if you do it by my spirit. You can bear fruit in every season. Your leaves are for the healing, the therapia, the therapy of the nations. Oh, when is there work to do? Is there uprooting to do? Is there. Like, you know, we, 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 we read the Samaritan and we think we, we're the ones who need to save the Samaritan, but you need yourself to be saved first. The Pharisee wasn't good enough. The law in Levi is not going to help you. But you need the outcast. You need Jesus to come and to heal you, to nourish you, to put you on his donkey, to nurture you with wine, to bound your wounds. And what did he say? I pay everything. And if there's more when I come back, I'll pay some more. You want to save the world? Make sure you're saved. Make sure that you grow your roots deep into this tree of life. Because only then will your life bear the fruit, the healing, the leaves that you're looking for that will give purpose and meaning as we all desperately long for. I hope that helps. I hope that encourages. I hope that simplifies and it condenses the word of God for you because we need to make sure that everyone can share this message with someone. And the last word for me today is, who are you going to share this with? Who are you going to share this with? This is too good to keep for ourselves. This is too good. This is too few people know this. That's why I'm in ministry, because I heard good news. And I said to myself, people do not know this. The word of the Lord, the, the eyes of the Lord is looking to and fro. And I said, I'll go. Lord, this is a privilege this is the utmost purpose and privilege to be able to share good news with the hurting, desperate, dried, needy world. Not to tell them what's wrong with them. To tell them what life they're missing out on. Very different ministry. One is good news, one is legalism. Let's stand together. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.